0: G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you again to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts and Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. You just have to type in the word Grad Chat. Now, today is going to be a little bit different to what we normally do, and that I've actually invited three graduate students to come and talk about what it's like to present at this week's TEDx Queen's U 2020 conference. So, first of all, I'd like to welcome you to GradChat, Terry Salias, Jennifer Guiho, and Bessie Corrie. Welcome to GradChat.
1: Thanks so much for having Thank us. You.
0: Now, the conference. This conference is actually really interesting. It's uh, it's on at the Isabel it has been for the past few years. So it's going to be on this Sunday the 26th of January and with TEDx everyone most people have heard the word TEDx and TEDx talks and this is the annual conference that our Queen's chapter actually puts on for us. So the topic for this year because they do a different theme each each year is called The Power of Context and I believe you can still register for the event and we'll get those details for you a bit later in the show if you are interested in, in signing up for that because it is absolutely awesome. I've been for the last couple of years and the talks are fantastic. So this event as I mentioned is on every year and We are fortunate at Queen's that we actually have a TEDx chapter here. The licence holder is our very own Tanya Tran from Psychology and she has been fantastic in coordinating various TEDx salon events here at Queen's, which of course is open to both the Queen's and Kingston community to attend. Now the School of Graduate Studies has actually been co-hosting some of these events over the past three years now, with the next one coming on March the 11th. Although that will have a little bit of a twist as it is a TEDx adventure activity. So keep an eye out for that one where more details will be coming soon. But just to help you put you in a little context of what's happening in this particular conference, Last year, we held a workshop for graduate students to help them understand how to prepare a TEDx talk. And I must admit, it was a really great turnout. And we did that with the TEDx Queen's U chapter. And um, there was lots of grad students and postdoctoral fellows there who were interested in finding out what it means to do a TEDx talk. And I guess collectively, did any of you actually attend that workshop? Yeah, I was there. Okay, I thought I recognised some some faces. So that's really, really good. And I'm going to ask you when it's your turn to talk about what you're going to present, a little bit about uh, how you felt about that, if that's okay. So like I said, this is going to be a little bit different, uh, the way we're going to do this. So what I'd like to do is ask each of our guests why they chose to do a TEDx talk and what it is they, they are presenting without, of course, giving it away the whole thing because we want you to come and listen to them t- Listen to them talk, not just uh, get the buzz on it right now. So, I think Terry, I'm going to start with you. Now, Terry Silliers is a doctoral student in education, and actually, Terry's been on Grad Chat before. It's a few years ago now, if I remember rightly. It seems like a long time ago, anyway. It's been four years. Four years. Okay, so clearly near the end of your uh, degree, which Hopefully. is great. <laughs> <laughs> February 3rd. February 3rd. Okay, clock is ticking. <laughs> that's fantastic. Congratulations on Thank that. You. It's it's always nice to hear when our students are getting ready to defend and, and finish. So, so Terry, what made you want to well, I guess that's the first question. You said you went to the workshop. Why did you want to go to the workshop?
1: Well, the workshop to me was getting ready for the actual talk itself. I I love the idea of addressing crowd and telling people about my idea. I kind of want to get it out there. It's one of the major motivations for me doing my doctoral work. The workshop was to make it less terrifying.
0: (laughs) Yes, I know. It can be petrifying, can't it? Not terrifying, petrifying. (laughs) So it was good that you did that. So what made you then want to go to the next step and present it or put your name forward for this year's TEDx uh, annual event? What was that? What was that impetus?
1: I saw the title, and the title is the power of context. And context is probably the the thing that I'm probably adding the most with my research in terms of what motivates innovation. Right. It's very contextual. It's not the same for for two people. Never mind people even within the same discipline or in right. different disciplines. The power of context is very real when it comes to getting people motivated to innovate.
0: And so, you remind everyone about your research itself. Your your main the work that you're doing now. So,
1: the work that I'm doing is researching what motivates people to be innovators, particularly in the Canadian context, in a lot of the disciplines that you don't normally hear about, as well as the disciplines that you definitely do hear about. So what motivates people to innovate through art, through comedy, through songwriting, through business endeavors, mm-hmm. like the, the some of the fields that you'd expect and some of the fields that, that you don't. I want to look for commonalities that we can bring into our education system to try and help uh, aspiring innovators along, starting from their schooling and giving them the tools they need to succeed later on, to mobilize their ideas.
0: So with that, I mean, because you're in education, when you talked about uh, through school, are you, I mean, innovation can go from a long way, right, as you mentioned. Are you looking at elementary school or high school?
1: So I'm looking at it all, really. It all, the whole, the, the, across the, the whole lot. The learning lifespan, which and is why my dissertation taken me as long as it has, I think. <laughs>
0: well, that happens. <laughs> so
1: across, across the lifespan. And, and the reason for that is that starting off from... I, I think people can can make the assumption that kids are pretty creative when they're young in terms of their imaginative play and so on and then by the end of schooling uh, as one of my interviewees said schooling crushes innovation like it's its job Right. and I kind of want to find out what are the things that helped the people who continue innovating to keep doing it what are the factors in their formal and informal learning environments that enabled them to keep going what are the things that made them more confident what are the things that made them see innovation as being valuable what types of value? do they see and the contrary to that the the counterbalance is what are the prices you pay for being an innovator and what can be done to try and mitigate those costs
0: right right so with that though I mean as you as you mentioned this is this is a big project that you took on for your research because learning is all the way through what part of that did you take to talk or to to put into a talk for Sunday
1: so I, I mostly focus on since since the the folks I'm going to be speaking to are university and then ad, so are university students and then adults all the way along the lifespan presumably I don't think there are going to be too many grade fives and grade sixes but if they are they'll be it'll be very nice to have them there (laughs) so I I chose to focus mostly on the high school maybe a little bit of junior high and the workplace as the context where I'll try and be explaining what motivates innovation
0: and so how long have they given you to do the talk
1: so they told me less than everyone else because they know I can talk so they told me so they told isn't me, Terry nice for they love they goodness you. don't go over 14 minutes so I think the limit for everybody else is about 15
0: <laughs> but for you just in case they have you a 60 a second buffer.
1: cushion yep, that, they have. Excellent. And, and that was a fair play they they made the right call there I think
0: <laughs> that's awesome I love it So obviously Tanya and everyone knows what you like so that that's good
1: <laughs> the problem isn't for me going up, uh, up on stage and starting to speak the problem is me stopping Stopping. talking when they want me to like there's gonna be somebody like there's gonna be somebody like running their hand over their shoulder saying like don't Don't. no stop (laughs) knock it off
0: no if it was like me i go off on tangents all the time which just doesn't work right because then i have to go oh gotta bring it back gotta bring it back on top this is
1: why i went to the the tedx practice session because they they said listen don't get on a rant you got to keep control of what you're going to be saying otherwise you're going to be talking for 25 minutes and people are going to stand up and leave
0: yeah and we don't want that Where did they put you?
1: Oh, so they put me at, I think, the very beginning <laughs> of the third block. So oh, I'm going okay. at like 4 p.m. on Sunday.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So you're there to keep everyone enthused and everything too, right?
1: Actually, I, I have to be, I have to clarify something. They're extremely precise. They said that I'm going at 3.53 p.m. 3.53. 3.53. They're very precise. They're very specific. These guys definitely know how to run a conference.
0: They do. They do. And like I said, I've been to them before and they are very much, this is this is the show. This is the running sheet do not pass go, do not collect $200, just keep on track. (laughs) So, Terry, thank you for that. I think we're going to talk to Jen next. Who is doing a, a doctoral degree in political studies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't actually. I didn't. I forgot to ask Terry. But Jen, who's who's your supervisor? Colin Fairley. Colin Fairley. Yeah. And what area of political studies are you in?
2: So I do political theory.
0: Political theory. Yeah. Okay. Well, sounds very complicated to me. <laughs> <laughs> but someone has to do it, right? Someone has to do it. So that's good. So what made you want to participate in the TEDx?
2: Yeah. So I like for years now. I love watching TED Talks. So it's something that's actually been on my bucket list for a long time. And then I saw a video from last year's conference uh, about Colin's presentation, my supervisor. So that sort of made it, you know, a real possibility for me that, you know, people want to hear about the type of research that we're doing. So, yeah, that's really what encouraged me to look into it more. and. So an was Colin
0: happy that you put your hand up to, to do this? Yeah,
2: absolutely. He's really excited for me. Oh, so. that's
0: good. So I hope he's going to be there <laughs> yeah, to cheer you on. Yeah, <laughs> so so what is your, your research background that you're doing? I, what year are you in right now? I'm in my second year, so, so I'm just So you're still starting, a little bit away, so. so you're just starting on the research part. Yeah.
2: So I'm sort of continuing with the research I did in my MA. So I work on the ethics of human enhancement. Okay. So yeah, my doctoral work is going to be more about, I mean, in political theory, we theorize a lot about human nature and the assumptions that we have about human nature influences what we think about other normative concepts like responsibility, the role of government, you know, what does justice require? So in my research, I want to look at those traditional theories in relation to what we know now because of science and technology and see, you know, what the disparities might be and what the implications of those disparities are. And then I also take it a step further by by looking at, you know, what could happen if we could modify or alter our human nature through human enhancement. And that's sort of the subset that I'm focusing on in my TED Talk is... Is human that.
0: that so. is very broad as well isn't it
2: yeah well like i said i'm just starting right
0: so. <laughs> so somewhere along the line there you're going to sort of bring it in a little bit so you you can um, really get that that thesis going yeah because otherwise you're never going to finish are you <laughs> <No>. <laughs> although i must admit if, if you're into research People normally don't want to finish; they want to keep going. But. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I hope to finish at some point yes, for sure. You will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> so, in t- in terms of that, then, particularly as you're you're at a different stage from what Terry was. You now, mm-hmm. Terry's towards the end of his degree, where you're sort of halfway through. From that. What did you feel that you could talk about at the TEDx part of it? To, to in particular to fit the theme that they have.
2: Yeah. So the theme this year is is changing our context. So I thought that was uh, fit really well with my topic about human enhancement because these ideas are new and the territory is uncharted. So I think it's really important to consider what society could look like based on our changing context where like pharmaceuticals and behavioral genetics are going. Uh, what does this mean for the way that society?
0: functions Now, have you been given 15 minutes?
2: Um, so they actually told me just not to go over 17.
0: Oh, so. oh, oh I love it.
2: So maybe they could tell so that. Oh, this this one's more quiet, there's, there's so we can give her more. There's going leeway. on there, Terry. I can see
0: it.
1: Well, now we know where my minutes go.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love it. I love it. So that, that's um that's actually oh, I love that. Sorry maybe a new beginning of the session so yeah yeah so i'll be i'll
2: be the second speaker of the day so i'm going right oh right yeah
0: well you know what's nice about that once it's done there you can enjoy the rest
2: yeah i'm definitely looking forward to being able to enjoy the conference for most of the day after that so
0: (laughs) sorry i'm still laughing terry for those of you out there terry's actually shaking his head he can't believe (laughs) that uh no
1: i can believe it (laughs) 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 As mildly upset as I am, it's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. These people are smart. (laughs) (laughs) This is the right way to do it
0: so obviously a little bird has been speaking to the, <laughs> the <laughs> committee no there we go <laughs> okay so thanks jen for jen for that and we will come back to you a little bit later but next i want to uh, ask bessie come and have a bit of a chat with us and she's a doctoral student in experimental medicine within the department of biomedical and medical sciences so this is a little bit different to what uh, terry and jen have been talking about this is a bit more all those formulas and, and <laughs> technical names and things that can be a bit confusing for people but I'm sure Bessie is going to sort of help us out on that so first of all what made you want to participate in the te- telex event because I know you came to the workshop yep. did you find that helpful
3: I thought it was extremely helpful I actually went to the workshop not with the intention of applying <laughs> I went because I as any I try to explain any of my research to anyone not in the field, I would always end it with, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. And <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit of a joke. Right. Um, and I always thought, or I realized that in the science field, we're not necessarily prepared to explain our research right. to anyone not in the field. We try to use the most technical terms because it's, for some reason, comes a lot easier to us. And I never thought I'd be able to explain what I was doing or simplify what I I was working on to a common audience, and honestly, when I heard the theme, and it's the power of context and changing beliefs or values and boundaries, I work with drug repurposing and using repurposed drugs to treat cancer, Right. and that is exactly changing our beliefs and values about the drugs we currently have today and their potential or their potential uses, and all of a sudden, we were working on a mind map, and I was handing in my application, and we had the (laughs) audition, and... So all clear- of a sudden I was giving a talk. So we
0: clearly need to do more of those workshops Definitely. so that we can get more more people involved which is fantastic. So how far along are you in in your work and who's your supervisor? This is my third year of research but my second year of
3: my PhD. Okay right and my supervisor is Myron Suchak. Okay and what made you want to go into that particular field in the first place? This was the first research experience that I had and it started all the way in my undergrad and I've been working on the same project ever since then. Well cool yeah you still (laughs) got a passion for it then so that's even better. (laughs) I think I got a little bit too attached to the project right and I just wanted to see it through to the end uh, because we're working in a lab it was nice to get away from the lab bench and work with animals and we're hoping to move forward to clinical trials so fantastic I want to just be able to hopefully see
0: the project through to the end. That's fantastic so what are you going to talk about at the TEDx without giving it all away well first of all what is your topic right so
3: I think as of right now the topic title is the importance of drug repurposing to treat diseases so I do mention briefly what I do in my mm-hmm. day-to-day research and what my background is so why you should believe me in anything that I'm saying <laughs> but the big picture is just trying to highlight the importance of the drugs that we have around us today don't just have those uses there it's really important that we kind of look deeper into mechanistic effects and overall how the body's all connected to figure out or tap into the potential of these drugs. And as great as all of those things sound, I also talk a little bit about the challenges and the things that we are currently being held back by or all the bottlenecks in it. Right. And at the end of the day, it's mostly a call to action to bring in everybody. It's a collaborative effort in order for us to get the best treatment options available for patients.
0: I would imagine when you're talking about drugs, I'd imagine the drug companies would be very happy for you to show other ways that they can use their particular drug. Not necessarily. Not necessarily? No. And that's something that I do mention in my talk without
3: giving everything away, yes, but giving fine. some of it away. One of the drugs I work with is aspirin right. and it's like the most generic drug ever. The, any companies will not make more money if I say, hey this one drug is going to cure everything, everything right? Uh, because then you can just buy it at the pharmacy. Right. And yeah, so point. a lot of people don't actually do that. And that's one of the huge bottlenecks is uh, patents and financial incentive.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm going to ask you one question because I've asked all of them. How long have you got to present? <laughs> so I was told I couldn't go over 18 minutes.
3: I was going mm-hmm. higher. I love it. But I also speak really quickly And they warned me about that. So I think I'm only at about 12, 13 minutes. So you can have five of minutes. So you've got a few more.
1: (laughs) They're not going to agree I
3: I go on at 12.53. You can have five of my minutes. It's fine. We'll just shift everything up a little
0: bit. So we're causing a little bit of tension here at the TEDx (laughs) annual event. say sorry Tanya, sorry <laughs> she's gonna kill me but uh, I think that's <laughs> fascinating how you've all been told. just slightly different, but that's good because they clearly know each of their presenters because I, I would imagine and any of you can answer this. One of the things I notice when we do the TEDx salon events, is that whoever's presenting get an opportunity to work with a mentor to help with the presentation um, to sort of help show you what to put in the presentation etc like we did in the workshop so did this happen for these this annual event too you got an opportunity to work with someone and so Bessie sings your closest to the microphone right now how did you feel about that and did it help you and was it by Skype or was it in person it was online or through like video chat. yep I thought it was Incredibly helpful
3: even though I thought my project fit in so well with the theme when I did my mind map and tried to plan it out I was hitting 15 different topics and I could probably talk for about an hour and a half <laughs> and even then you still probably wouldn't get more out of it than my shortened 12-minute talk right. so it was really helpful in trying to tie in everything together and really pick out the most important things I was fortunate that my mentor or coach had a little bit of a science background so he oh, was able helpful. to reel me in every time mm. I got off on a little bit of a tangent or rant right without getting too far away from my main goal but I thought I don't think I would have been able to condense my talk into 12 minutes and simplify it in the way that I have without that with that help. yeah
0: and and Jen did you enjoy having your mentor helping you? Yeah. I mean, have so, you done a talk like this before?
2: No, I've never done anything like this before. Um, so it's been like a really great experience. And and my coach is actually a engineering student. Okay. So she has no background at all in, in anything that I'm working Which on. Which is actually really quite good too. Oh yeah. Because of the audience you're going to have. Yeah. To be across the board. Definitely, it was great because she really helped me get all of the academic jargon out of the talk and anything like we use so many different terms, you know, in philosophy that we don't even kind of realize it's just like regular language now for me and every time like there was, at so many points she'd stop me and say you know you have to explain this term instead of just put it out there and so yeah it was really super helpful
0: that's good mm-hmm. so so terry with you how did how did you find it because i know you've done lots of different presentations in the past and how how did you find the mentorship you've been given to help set you up for this one
1: so i I'm a biology teacher by, by training, so I, I'm used to the idea of presenting ideas and trying to do them as succinctly as you can. Mm-hmm. Counteracting that is that this is one that I have to memorize what so I'm gonna say and try and stick to a script, which, which is right. a lot more difficult for me than, than it was. Like I, I've lectured to Duncan MacArthur Auditorium for a couple of classes so that 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 means that I'm used to speaking to about 600 people or so. So the number of people doesn't intimidate me. What did was that I have to stay pretty close to my ideas. Right. I I have to stay close to the script and I have to stay close enough to it so that I'm explaining things in a way that people can take away and understand. Right. So if I go on to my normal ranting kind of ways, that means I'm going to lose a key definition and people are going to lose track of where I am and it'll be entirely my fault.
0: Right. Yeah. And we
1: don't want that. No, I kind of want people to be able to follow along and take away the talk. (laughs) Otherwise, it's just me going and talking to a room full of people who who paid to sit in those chairs, join the thing, and then just have Greek Daniel Radcliffe rant at them. No, I I, I don't think they they want that. I I, I think they want to take away the ideas. And I think people want me to have the ideas presented succinctly.
0: Okay, so any of you, the fact you're going to be at the Isabel And we're we're at, I mean, this is just such a beautiful venue that you get to present, um, but it can be a bit intimidating being on the stage above everyone, you might have some lights in the background and lights facing you and you know the auditorium there is full. So has that had an impact on your preparations or have you actually had an opportunity to go and practice at the Isabel for this, for you, what you're going to do on Sunday?
2: Yeah, so we actually all have rehearsals on Friday and Sunday morning before the conference. Oh, so. fantastic. Yeah, we'll have a chance to kind of figure feel, out it to out.
3: feel it <laughs> figure out. Feel it. how to walk on stage. What yeah. to do with your hands.
1: I need to. So I need to figure out what to do with my hands, definitely. And right. the other thing is, is that they have, it looks like they have like a circle yeah. and they tell you like, stay in your cage, like don't go far from it, which is a problem for me because I wander.
3: Like no, I, you gotta go back in. It's like so operation. I have to stay inside.
1: So there's going. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be somebody like just off camera with like a stick and whenever Like I no, wanted to. Okay. <laughs> it's called a hook.
0: It's called a hook. Really the, the hook. I'll can pull o- you back.
1: I think they've thought this through. The problem is that the hook can only pull me. True. The stick. They need to like get me to like stay that way. So if I go too far this way, they can just give me a good jab. <laughs> <laughs> that that sort of thing. Uh, Julie, I'm sorry. I'm joking. I know you don't have a hook.
3: <laughs> she may. But at least, the, at least the circle is
0: red. Uh, and you'll know exactly <laughs> how far you can go. And you see, that's interesting, because any sort of presentation, sometimes you, you can wander all over the place, but particularly when, because I imagine they're videoing some of this as well, so it makes it easier for the videographer if people aren't going all over the place to make sure that they keep you in focus we don't want an unfocused person <laughs> going out there either so uh, that's good that they're giving you practice sessions but i know you can all do it can't you
1: it's
3: a plan well they
0: yeah. we said it was <laughs> going to be recorded and edited. doesn't matter what happens live it's going to be recorded it's going to be recorded exactly all so. the pressure off
1: they didn't tell me it was being edited oh there you go <laughs> well i don't don't that makes me feel better like i slip up on stage i'm just
0: the people there are for
3: show to make you feel like you're not talking to nobody. Correct.
0: <laughs> the video's going to be edited. Yeah. So, have any of you watched many of the TEDx videos before? Because those TEDx videos come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and some are very topical. I mean, they're all topical, of course. But uh, I know a lot of people say, you know, have you seen this TEDx talk and or TED talk and this sort of thing? Did you have a look at some of those beforehand? anyone can answer that question and they because they're all nodding yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: my, my friend andrew did one um I, I don't have quite the same courage he did because like i i don't have the courage to rock a bow tie like that but right but andrew did one and i i, I saw it and i said like i have something that i want to say as well and that's kind of one of the major motives for me doing it the, the event's been really really well done in the past and i hope that this year is no exception
0: and i'm sure it's going to be absolutely awesome so i don't think you have to worry about that do you think this is the kind of opportunity that more grad students should be considering as they're going along particularly as it's you're not necessarily talking to people in your field? Definitely. As someone in the sciences,
3: I like I can present as many times as you want, but it's always been to science background students, whether it's students or right. faculty members, being able to talk about the technical things with non-technical people is a huge thing and I think especially in the sciences we are not prepared to speak to people whether it's public speaking or just speaking to people we are trained (laughs) to sit in our lab bench and do our experiments and And that's and that's that's as far
0: as it goes but unfortunately you want people to know what's going on
3: exactly so I think highlight like I was such a big fan of that turn your research into a TED talk I was so surprised that I didn't see every single person in my department at that just to be able to say thanks for coming to my TED Talk would have been
0: <laughs> enough of a reason to want to do that. Well, the good, the good thing is we will hopefully be able to run those sort of workshops again. So so that's good. Now, of course, I mean, a TED Talk is either 14 minutes or 18 minutes, depending on what they've told you. <laughs> but, of course... I'm just going to put a little plug in here. We, you know, Queens holds their three-minute thesis competition in March, and so I'm hoping some of you, if you're far enough along, may consider uh, having a go at that because that's a lot of fun, and I get heaps out of that. And once again, that's an opportunity to talk to people who aren't in your field. And what makes it hard, of course, you've only got three minutes and one slide. Not not easy, but hopefully, down you know, maybe some of you will think about that as well. Now. We've almost come to the end of our show. I can't believe it. it's gone pretty pretty quickly, and that happens when you have three grad students who like talking. <laughs> Although they're looking looking a bit quiet right now, but they are <laughs> laughing too. So it's not just me. So if you're interested in coming to TEDx Queens U 2020, uh, which is taking place this Sunday, January twenty-sixth, there are still tickets available is dub dot slash speakers so that gives you a bit of an overview of all the speakers there and it's not just grad students there's faculty there as well and and community members who will be speaking and it's it's a really good lineup actually there are there's the talks but they also have the innovation lab which will be open all day to give delegates a taste of what the 2020s may have in store for them so they are hoping to see lots of people there if you have any questions, you can reach out to hello at TEDxQueensU.com and they'll be able to give you a little bit more information on what is happening. So Terry, Jen and Bessie, it's been great chatting with you. Thanks for coming on to the show. Good luck with the rest of the research and have heaps of fun on Sunday because that's what it's all about. One thing is getting your work, work out there, but it's also to enjoy having fun presenting and then chatting with people about your work because I know people will come up after in the various breaks and want to ask you questions about what you're doing. So good luck with all of that. Thanks so much. Thanks yeah, so much, CJ. So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download this show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray.